welcome to the British History Podcast. If you love British history, then you are definitely in the right place. My name is Philippa and I will be taking you through British history, the people, the events, the intrigue. Some of the stories you may think you know, but you don't know them in the way I tell them. And then hopefully I will also be able to introduce you to something new too. Now this podcast is free and it always will be. But if you would like more History Lover benefits, then please consider coming and joining me over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash British History. But for now, let's get into today's episode. Hello everyone, welcome to this Thursday's History Chat Live. I hope you're all well and have had a good week. Um, As usual, I'm streaming live on Instagram and on YouTube and uh, and these are also available on playback afterwards and welcome also if you are listening on the podcast. So I have lots to talk to you about this week. Um, It's been a fab week. We've tried new things um, on Instagram so I'll tell you a bit more about that later. And also I've had a few videos that I got around to putting out on YouTube as well. So I will do a little recap on those as well. So welcome everyone. Thank you for joining me. Like I say, I hope you've had a nice week. I hope you've got your cup of tea ready or whatever it is that you partake in at this particular time of the day and week. We're nearly at the end of the week, nearly the weekend's here. So hopefully you've had a good one um, and a productive one. Mine's been fairly productive. I've still been dealing with lots of tour stuff. Uh, but I do have some visits and other things to tell you about as well. Last Thursday when I was talking to you, I was lamenting the fact I hadn't got out for the week. I hadn't got out um, into uh, into the world. So I, I rectified that on Friday and I took a visit to Hereford Cathedral. So I will come back to that in a short while and tell you a bit more about that. Um, Also, I I want to tell you about an interesting email I got sent yesterday um, to an article about an exhibition which is going on at the British Library soon. I don't think it started just yet, which I was already planning to go to along with Sarah Morris, uh, the um, travel guide, and Deb Royal of Tudor Times. We do a Sunday um, Travelling Tudor Britain clubhouse room together. And, uh, and we decided we were going to go and see this particular exhibition together. And that is an exhibition on Elizabeth I and Mary Queen of Scots at the British Library. Now, when, uh, when we decided to go there, it, I mean, it's just right up our street for a start. We're obviously going to be going to see this exhibition about Elizabeth and Mary Queen of Scots. One particular thing caught my eye which was the checkers ring is going to be on display there and for any of you who don't know let me tell you about the checkers ring so the checkers ring uh, welcome thank you everyone for joining on youtube and instagram hi i can see you all joining so thank you so much for spending your time with me um so let me tell you about the checkers ring which is going to be on uh display at the british library for this elizabeth and mary queen of scots exhibition. The checkers ring was worn by Elizabeth I and it's a locket ring. So it's tiny, about the size of a little fingernail, if that. Depends on how big your fingernails are I suppose. And 
it opened up. So uh, let me tell you about the outside first. The outside of it has an E in, I think, rubies, because they're red. Is there another stone that's red? <laughs> I don't know. So let's say rubies. Uh, an E, the letter E, obviously, for Elizabeth. Open it up, and inside are two tiny portraits, one clearly of Elizabeth, and the other has been the subject of some debate as to who would be the other um, lady depicted. Could it be a younger Elizabeth? Could it be Catherine Parr? But um, I think most people now come down on the side of it's Anne Boleyn. It's Elizabeth's mother, Anne Boleyn, which would be extremely exciting, actually, if that was ever proven, um, uh, because contemporary... Uh, well, it wouldn't be a contemporary portrait of her, would it? But obviously she would have a likeness of her mother in this ring. And it's called the Chequers Ring, confusingly, because it is stored at Chequers, which is our Prime Minister's summer home. That's the reason it's called the Chequers Ring. Um, so hi, everyone. Hi, welcome. I'm just talking about the Chequers Ring, which is going to be on display at the British Museum soon. That was one reason... Oh, the other, sorry, and what I should say about that ring is it never goes on display. It's been on display once in the last decade, I think, to the public. So it's very exciting that that's going to be there. Um, but there's something else there that I hadn't realised um, was going to be there. And not only is it some, well, it's something I didn't know existed, um, and there's an autograph, an autograph, an article in the Telegraph, which um, which Jenny sent me yesterday about a, a letter effectively sent to Mary um, via, uh, sorry, from Elizabeth via uh, Mary's Mary Queen of Scots jailer at the time, Ralph Sadler, and it, it basically sets out terms. Um, to kind of, you know, you could do this and do that and, and basically be free. So a way of getting out of the, the final uh, trial and execution. Um, anyway, as we know, it, 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 it came to nothing, but that letter is going to be there. Ostensibly, from what I can tell, uh, and, and I need to read more about this, um, and it was an article sorry, about jo uh, from John Guy. So any of you know John Guy, um, he's written amazing books about Elizabeth and Mary and um, had a big hand in... I think his book was what the the, story, um, the film Mary Queen of Scots was based on as well. So um, he discovered these letters. He was contacted um, when they went on sale, I think it was. And... Um, to have a look and they're apparently in pristine condition I think Ralph Sadler must have kept them um, and they're in very good condition but one of the terms I think was basically yep you go back up to Scotland and you rule with your son and then uh, James and then when James wants to marry uh, me Elizabeth will get a say in who he marries well this was this was too little too late. James was already an adult and he wasn't assenting to this, so that, I think that's why it went nowhere. But what it does is shows us that um, 
Elizabeth, I think most people would know that Elizabeth was extremely, I wouldn't say reticent, but sort of stronger word than reticent to have Mary um, put on trial and executed. But this shows that she was actively finding um, another way, trying to actively find another way. So that's extremely interesting, I think. Anyway, so that's that, <laughs> that got sent to me this week. I thought you'd be interested to hear about that. And when I go to the British Library, like I say, with Sarah, the Tudor Travel Guide, and Deb from Tudor Times, I'm sure there will be a plethora of blogs and, um, and, and write-ups from us about that. You can't normally take photos in those exhibitions, so I doubt very much we'll be able to bring you any photographs of it. But that doesn't stop us yabbering about it, does it? Um, Michael Checkers has connections to Freemasonry. The black and white checkered floor is one of its symbols. Ah, probably coming from the Scottish right. Well, actually, black and white checkered um, patterns are found in all sorts of places, aren't they? I'm just thinking um, of Charterhouse, which I'll come on to in a minute, because um, I wanted to talk to you about Charterhouse. Uh, <laughs> I have to write that down on my notes. Charterhouse, oh yes, I have it, uh, has a wall, which is... Um, black and white but yeah and 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 the side of um one of the was it the great hall or the chapel in whitehall palace which obviously we don't have now was was black and white checked as well um so where had i got to <laughs> so yeah i think that will be really interesting and we will like i say i'm sure um sarah and and uh, Deb blog quite a lot so they will write it up and I will I will probably talk to you about it because that's my chosen my chosen media but that's really cool before I go on I must um give a shout out to Laurie and Crystal who've become patrons uh, over on my patreon um recently thank you so much really really appreciate your support and if you are interested in becoming a patron if you you can go and have a look what you get at patreon.com forward slash British history. So um, anyway, so yes, thank you very much to Laurie and Crystal. I really, really appreciate your support. Thank you. Um, and last week I treated everyone to some extra behind the scenes or close up photos of Acton Court, which I spoke a lot about last week. Um, did I speak about that last week or the week before, but where I'd, I'd been and visited? So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's worth it if you are um, a, a true history buff. So um, I did mention to you that I actually, I actually got out of the house last week. Um, actually, I went, I had a visit and I've got another one coming up on Saturday that I'll tell you about as well. But I went over to Hereford Cathedral, which um, is about an hour away from me. So that's not, not too bad. And Hereford Cathedral, I went years ago. Um, so I wanted to go back and take some more photographs. Now it's it's home to four, I'd say, absolute gems, two of which you can't see at the moment. Um, the Hereford Gospels, which aren't on display. Um, I think you might have to ask to see those. Um, and the 1217, A1217 Magna Carta. Um, we've spoken about Magna Carta before. The 1217 version is the first time it was reissued. So Magna Carta was created in 1215. It effectively a list of demands from the barons um, 
a set of rules that the king was going to abide by from now on, beginning with allowing the church autonomy. And it had all these things. It's really very much not what people perceive Magna Carta to have been, at least in its original form. It's more um, taken on that idea after and this, the, the term Magna Carta has become synonymous with you know, freedoms and rights and uh, representation. Um, but it was quickly annulled. Uh, I think I did a post in August. So it was created in the June 1215 and in the August it was annulled. The Pope said, don't you be following that. It's not, it's not for you. It's not legal. It's against God. Whatever, thing, whatever he could think of to say, don't follow it. Um, but we all know about Magna Carta, so it obviously survived. It, it, um, and it was reissued in 1217. So King John, who had his seal put on it, oh, yeah, um, he, he died in 1216 and his son was a minor, Henry III. Um, and uh, was he Henry III or Henry II? <laughs> How far down the line are we by then? Hmm sorry google it um but he was a minor and one of the ideas that his um uh, i was gonna say minders that's not the right word his regents had one of whom was william the famous william marshall was to reissue magna carta but instead of it being the demands of the barons uh, assented to by the king it was going to be a royal document so it's going to be issued by the crown. Um, and that's where we get the 1217 version of Magna Carta from. So anyway, Hereford Cathedral usually has a copy on display. But guess where it is? I think it's in Washington. It's certainly in America. <laughs> so I went to Hereford to see it and it's, it's overseas. So there you go. That's fine. That's good. It's getting out and about and people are getting to see it. But what was still there, what is still there and doesn't move, thankfully, is um, the Mapa Mundi. The well, Mapa Mundi is a, a 13th century map. Um, and actually Mapa apparently isn't the word for map. I didn't realise this till I, I got talking to the lady there. Um, it means cloth, I think. Or So anyway, uh, and you can see, if you have a look on my Instagram, I've shared pictures of the Mapa Mundi. And you can see it's in, um, it's like a square with a point on the top, that kind of shape, if you think about it, like a, like a, like a child would draw a, hall, a, a house, that kind of shape. That is one calf skin. So then you can work out the shape, the head would have been at the top, etc. And it's quite likely that that calf was raised in order for this job, in order to be for its skin to be used for this creation. So anyone who's just joined me, I'm talking about the Mapa Mundi, which is held at Hereford Cathedral. And it's, so it's quite large. Um, I actually don't know how large it is, maybe a metre and a half by two? No, no, maybe not quite that big, actually. It's, it's around that kind of, imagine a calf <laughs> anyway lay down maybe maybe don't imagine that actually um but, it, but this calf was quite possibly raised specifically for 
its skin to be used for this map. And it depicts the known world and the afterlife as well. And it's not supposed to be a, a graphical representation of exactly what's on um, on the earth. Um, it's more like an infographic now. God, I'm such a heathen. Um, so it will ha it's, it's got on there England um, and uh, Hereford, of course, <laughs> uh, London, but it's got Babylon. Um, oh, what else? It's even got, and I must share this, I will certainly share this with, the pa with my patrons, a, <laughs> I kid you not, I can't wait to show you actually, um, a man on skis with a bobble hat, that's what it looks like in the colder parts it's it's incredible like i say 13th century uh, created by the monks and they have a wooden case um frame i suppose that was discarded i don't know put in a room i don't think it got as far as a tip thank goodness um but was discarded and they thought wow that's probably some, something to do with it it's the same it's the same sort of shape um and what's incredible is there is um so jerusalem is bang smack in the middle of this map and they did use compasses um and some of the circles the detail on there is amazing hello gail welcome <laughs> uh, the detail on 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 map monday is is incredible and like I said right in the middle is Jerusalem and in this frame so it's got a back as well this frame has there's a, a, a hole so they think that even the frame it, it wasn't just used to house Mapamundi but it was created whilst in this frame because of the holes that are that are in there. So I thought that was quite fascinating. Have a look on my Instagram. I have shared some, oh no, I did a reel. I don't know if I shared any photos yet. I will do, um, but I did do a reel. While I'm here mentioning reels, also I promised you a reel on um, Arabella Stewart or Arbella Stewart um, and uh, where she fits in the line of succession after Elizabeth because she was a potential for the throne um, after Elizabeth. So I promised I would try and explain that. Welcome James, thank you for joining. Um, so I promised I would try and explain Arabella Stewart's, or Arabella Stewart, she's one and the same. Um, uh, yeah, her family. So if you have a look at, um, at my reels on Instagram, um, please do, then um, hopefully that will explain all. So yes, yeah, so I've got a reel of Hereford Cathedral. I'll put some more photographs of the map of Monday on because I just think it is incredible. It is as well, really, um, <laughs> really, um, uh, what's the word? Vibrant, it looks like it could have been done yesterday. It, it, it really is fantastic. Mm. So welcome everyone who's, who's just joining. Um, I've been talking about my visit to Hereford Cathedral. I've been talking about the the um, the exhibition I'm about to go to see on Elizabeth and Mary, Queen of Scots. Gail, I'm sure you'll be off to that 
uh, the British Library and there's this letter in there that we didn't know about before that John Guy has discovered which um, indicates that Elizabeth was trying to find a solution, um, avoid having Mary's uh, head cut off because that wasn't that wasn't great for everyone involved. Um, anyway, so that's what we've been talking about so far. Check out my reels. I will share some more photos of Mappa Monday because as you can tell, I'm a little bit obsessed with it. Uh, the other thing that's at Hereford is this incredible chained library and this links to the Mappa Monday. The Mappa Monday almost got sold. Fairly dramatic, fairly dramatic end. <laughs> um, yeah, the Mappa Mundi almost got sold um, to someone in in the United States. Now, as much as I love you over there, I'm quite glad it didn't go. Also, Shakespeare's Birthplace Trust, by the way, almost got sent to America. Um, that's how Shakespeare's Shakespeare's Birthplace Trust was established. Did I say Shakespeare's birth Shakespeare's Birthplace was almost sold to someone in America? And that's how the trust came about. That's a very shortened version. Um, anyway, so the Map of Monday at Hereford Cathedral was almost sold as well because um, the cathedral needed money, I suppose. So a that sparked a huge campaign, and um, and luckily the uh, morning, Colleen. Thank you for joining. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Alan. I can see everyone joining. Thank you. Um, yeah, so that, that sparked a whole, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, a whole money raising campaign and, and uh, a, a, so right next to the Map of Monday, you go through and you go into the chained library, which I'll tell you about. And I think a lot of the money went towards that. So it went towards keeping, keeping the Map of Monday, but I think they were actually after money for this um, this library that got, I, I, start, I took pictures of the index of what books they've got there. Incredible. The, the um, variety of books that are there is quite amazing. Now they're chained, they are literally chained these books and they're chained. Oh, I did, did I tell you about this last week? <laughs> I'm starting to get up. But they're chained so they are on the shelf and they have to be kept in order you see because the chains have chained them so if you if you went and just put it back wherever you fancied the chains would all be mixed up and and you, it would be obvious so these are these indexes on the end of each of the bookcases have a um a letter or a number which corresponds to the uh oh good <laughs> i'm glad I'm glad it's interesting to hear again. I'm sorry if I do repeat myself, but I get very excited about these things. So uh, the letter or the number um, corresponds to a part on the shelf. So the shelves, are, I think they were split into three. And then the books are listed in order. So that is very important because the books are bound side in. So you can't see what the book is from actually just looking at the book you can only see the pages it's also a very nice place to take photos so again I'll share some definitely with the patrons I'll probably put some on Instagram because it is it's really cool it's a beautiful place um half of it fell down half of it that's a bit of an exaggeration a lot of it fell down so when you go in it's you can see it's Norman so you've got like the zigzaggy pattern 
zigzaggy pattern on the on the arches. That's no, that's a Norman design. Um, but in fact, quite a bit of the cathedral fell down and it was rebuilt. And to be fair to the Victorians who did it, they did a really good job. Um, you, you you can't tell the difference except I was going to say it's a bit sharper, but actually, to be fair, the stonework from the Norman um, Norman part of the cathedral is still really sharp as well. They've also got um, their font. There is is an original Norman font. So, if you if you get a chance to go over to to Hereford, then then do do give it a little visit. It's it's quite a, quite a good place to go. So that was my visit to Hereford, which I was quite pleased about because now I've had something to talk to you about. And then. Um, on Saturday, I am going to be heading to Sirencester, so I will be able to tell you more about that um, uh, next week. Michael, it's a shame there's so much Tudor armour in the Met. I didn't realise actually how much Tudor stuff had gone. Yeah. Um, a ton of documents in, in Parliament's library that have never been researched. Yeah, well, so the this letter that I was talking about earlier from Elizabeth um, to Mary Queen of Scots via her jailer Ralph Sadler was found um, when they were sold as a private co- so basically went from one private collection I think through Sotheby's to another private collection and it, it was in that interse- intercepting interceding period that John Guy I hope I've got this right I read the article yesterday so I'm sorry if I've got any of this wrong but I think that's when he was called in said oh do you want to have a look at these um now there's there's there must be documents like that in private collections in badly kept archives just in archives even if they're not badly kept um we have archives in county libraries we have archives in uh, you know family archives in in large houses um a lot have been lost over time with fires and floods etc etc and then you've got your institutions with their own archives as well and you're right Michael unless somebody it I mean I, I really take my hats off to ha, my hats <laughs> I wear multiple hats um, my hat off to uh, to researchers who go into these libraries or go into these archives and are just looking and they don't know what what are they going to find they don't know they don't know what they don't know what they don't know is there they're looking in case they can find it so for instance like the checkers ring i don't i believe there's no receipt there's no no receipt no order whatever for that ring and so it's not clear was it a gift for elizabeth did elizabeth um commission it herself is there a description of exact of once and for all who who the other woman is in the ring yeah, maybe there's a piece of paper somewhere that tells us that. So yeah, yeah, very interesting and quite frustrating to to realise that a lot of this isn't going to be found out in our lifetime, even if even if someone was set to work right now in every archive. But that's life, I suppose. Um, so yeah, so that's so fun. Let me take you to Charterhouse now. So Charterhouse, uh, we spoke about on. Sunday's clubhouse room so on a Sunday and this is going to change and I'll tell you about this in a moment um, on a Sunday we have been doing a traveling Tudor Britain room on clubhouse myself uh, Deb Royal from Tudor Times and Sarah Morris from the Tudor Travel Guide we are going to be moving it onto Instagram as a live 
and uh, we're going to be moving it to four o'clock on a Friday. So um, those of you who like to, uh, who, who are on Instagram and who like to see our faces, <laughs> um, then, uh, then that's where we'll be moving to. Excuse me, I'll take a sip of my tea. Um, last week, so Sunday, we were talking about Charterhouse. And did I put, yes, and then I put, I have definitely put a post about Charterhouse on Instagram and some photographs. Charterhouse, um, you may have heard, was is built on the site of a plague pit. And according to one of the brothers at Charterhouse, um, so I presume this is what they've been told and so therefore why not it must be true um the green so charter house is that there's charter house square outside um they reckon there's around five thousand bodies that were buried in the early 14th century um in this plague pit uh, and then in the 17th uh, sorry 1370s i think it was um uh a man called oh my goodness i've now totally forgotten manny um requested from the pope pope clement the sixth i can remember that for some reason um to set up a cistercian monastery there uh and that's when we begin to see the charter house um monastery now charter house is interesting to tudor fans because when elizabeth became queen in 1558. She was at Hatfield House. Um, she held her first, um, her, said, we always say she, she held her first Privy Council meeting there, but it was, it was more informal and it was with sort of her closest. She came, when she came into London, she decided to stay at Charter House, which was the property of um, Sir Edward North at the time she stayed there for five days and I, I knew um that she had held more uh privy council meetings there but actually they were the first full ones so these were the first sort of official privy council meetings and she held at least one a day and on one day she held two and you can go to the room where she would have held these privy council meetings which is all quite exciting on the ceiling they've recreated across the whole ceiling a patch um a, a pattern that's just on a patch on the ceiling um of the ceiling pattern from when um the fourth duke of norfolk um thomas howard fourth duke of Nor norfolk lived there um, and it has thistles on there scottish thistles now this is the one who lost his head because he wanted to marry Mary Queen of Scots and bump Elizabeth off. So, um, yeah, so there you go. Um, so Charterhouse is really interesting. So Sarah's just joined. I was just saying, um, Sarah, I was just telling them about the Travelling Tudor Britain room that we have on a Sunday on Clubhouse. But this is, <laughs> this is going to be, this Sunday is going to be the last uh, one for now, we're going to basically experiment. We're going to be moving from Clubhouse to Instagram. Uh, so you can see our beautiful faces. <laughs> and uh, we're going to move it to four o'clock on a Friday. So we're going to have four o'clock on a Friday on Instagram. And then you can 
quickly switch to Clubhouse because we'll still be on Clubhouse at five o'clock for our history half hour rooms as well. So yes, yeah, so we did Charterhouse uh, last week and we're going to Westminster Abbey um, this uh, this coming Sunday. So yeah, Charterhouse has, because it's um, got such a long history as well, Charterhouse, it's another one of those places that physically you can see the changes. And it was a Cistercian monastery. Um, <laughs> um, so it's a Cistercian monastery and, and um, from my understanding the, the brothers they they had a much stricter code than some of the others about um, a lippy I was wondering Sarah says she needs to put on a lip a loopy what's she loopy she meant lippy <laughs> I get you now <laughs> um, so the Cistercian monks would live in isolation for I think 23 hours a day or something along those lines so you can still see the entrance to their cells in part of uh, the old cloister and so there's a door obviously but then there's a um like a hatchway around the 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 side where their food would be passed through i mean you can only be a hermit can't you if someone's going to be sending you in food it's a bit like lockdown and amazon and takeaways sort of not quite the same obviously um but anyway you can still see the entrances which is which is very exciting and any of you are into soccer or football charterhouse um it was once it became a um <laughs> jenna sorry jenna oak lane homestead i see your um handle and i knew and i said last week i'm so rubbish with with making those connections when i'm i'm thinking of things jenna thank you <laughs> <laughs> Jenna joins all the time. You're so fun. Thank you. Um, yeah, so so Charterhouse became um, a... Uh, eventually, because obviously it was dissolved, the Cistercian monks, that's a whole story. They're all martyred um, and recognised as martyrs by the, 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 Catholic, um, the Catholic Church because they were, they were put to death in a whole heap of horrible ways over a five-year period as well. They weren't even all killed at the same time because they wouldn't assent to uh, Henry's act of succession, um, which, you, you know, you weren't allowed to do. You're supposed to follow follow what Henry said or pay the consequences, but they did pay the consequences. Um, now, after the dissolution, um, eventually it became a, 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 a school for poor boys and uh, an almshouses for uh, elderly men who'd fallen on hard times, ex-military, that, that kind of idea. It's similar to the Royal Naval College at Greenwich. Um, eventually the school moved out and is now no longer a school for poor boys, only extremely rich boys, a little bit like your Eton's and your Christchurch. Um, a little bit irritating as far as I'm concerned <laughs> that these that these schools started off as schools for poor boys and now you need £40,000 at least a year to send them there. Anyway, the almshouses for the old elderly men uh, have stayed and you still have brothers and you have, oh, lady brothers. I think there's a lady brother. She chose, she chose the, uh, to keep the, the, the word brother, which I think is a lovely gesture, um, but lady brother um and um but i so i'm presuming that it was the young boys that were playing soccer and football at charter house and they played in the cloisters well the cloisters have got open um windows so if the ball went out they needed a rule so that's where the throw-in rule comes from and also 
because they're playing in this small corridor effectively, if your striker, the guy that you have up front to try and score the goals, if he is just standing there, you can get the ball to him, boom, it's straight in the goal. So they created the offside rule, which is basically you have to have one defender in between. Anyway, that gets very complicated, um, only because I keep changing it. But yeah, so the offside rule and the throwing rule for soccer or football is um, was was started at Charterhouse. So there you go. So the history there is is massive, and it's very picturesque as well. Mm. So so that was um, that was Sunday. But I should tell you about Friday as well. I don't know if Sarah's still with us, but Friday we had Tracy Borman come and uh, on uh, this is back to Clubhouse and talk to us about Thomas Cromwell. She has written a biography of Thomas Cromwell, which I'm listening to on Audible at the moment. Um, Michael, I'm a rugby fan. <laughs> well, you get the gist, I'm sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so Tracy Borman came to speak to us, Ackle, so we're still here, uh, on Clubhouse on Friday. And um, it, she's going to be back, actually, quite soon with this, I think, because she's got another book coming out about the monarchy, about the transitions of monarchy um, from the Norman Conquest uh, up to the present day. So she's going to come and join us and talk about that book. Um, but yes, yeah, so, but she was on talking to us about Thomas Cromwell, who we've, we've all decided. So Sarah, uh, Dr. Cat, who's uh, on with us, and um, Catherine Brooks, um, that we all we all have a bit of a I don't know if it'd be a crush on Cromwell but it's a uh so we didn't expect to feel the admiration and respect that we we do for him and um it was really interesting getting into his character um and discussing that more with Tracy because he is just a man of so many um human characteristics but but uh, a love-hate relationship exactly exactly Jenna so he he yeah he's definitely got admirable characteristics he was obviously very charismatic <laughs> Sarah yeah I have a crush <laughs> um <laughs> he was obviously really personable and entertaining and funny and someone someone people wanted to be around so you know when you have um Jenna you have a crush for Henry VIII mm. Is that because of Jonathan Rhys Myers though? Because that's the only way I can have a crush on the on Henry VIII. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and so I think I need to revise my list of who I would sit down and have a meal with. You know, you have that like that thing. Um, see, Rini's also looking at Cromwell in a different light. Yeah, Hilary Mantel would be proud of us. <laughs> but I do think it surprised us. I think we all went in. To, we, we've had a few discussions uh, on yeah, <laughs> Jenna. I knew, I knew. Um, <laughs> I think he's um, yeah. We've had a few discussions about Cromwell, and I think we all did go in expecting to, um, but yeah, put him apart and not and and be quite scathing, and found that we're really yeah, we really don't. So and he fasc his his time in Italy fascinates me. I want to know more about that as well. Um, oh, Michael, is it true that Thomas More tortured people? What, that pious Thomas More? Mm, I don't know. Sarah might have a, um, a uh, thoughts on that. Is, does that come out of Wolf Hall? 
that storyline. Um, Colin, he was a hottie in the first part of his reign. Well, Henry VIII was indeed a hottie in the first part of his reign. Um, yeah, but this is this is what happens if you start falling off horses and, I don't know, being jabbed with big wooden lances. Uh, Michael Woolfall. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I don't know. I've not looked into the uh, the credibility of that storyline. Um, yeah. Anyway, so Louis can't say Henry VIII. So Jonathan Rees Myers, thank you. Um, Sarah says, I think he did allow persecution of prisoners in the tower. So the, the the thing is, it was it was a time of that. Thomas More decided his conscience wouldn't allow him to change his beliefs to stay alive you know so if you if you if you can be that steadfast for one reason then potentially you're going to allow other things to happen for that belief as well is my is my viewpoint um so yes yeah, so we spoke about uh, thomas cromwell monday we um in clubhouse we we're talking about is usurpation ever justified which is which is which is quite a fun conversation because you got people usurped but then they or somebody in their line had usurped the throne already so of course so henry the sixth uh, usurped potentially by Edward the Fourth, but Henry the Sixth's grandfather was Henry the Fourth, Henry, Henry Bolingbroke, who usurped the throne. Um, so did Henry the Seventh usurp the throne? But actually, he <laughs> it just it went on and on, and then we got in the, into a discussion as well about well, who are these people who think they can just tell us what to do? <laughs> why, you know, why? Why? Do, why? Why do we? Why do we? Why do we care? Um, and. Uh, Yes, what goes around comes around, indeed, indeed, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was a really interesting um, conversation. Um, that was fun. We might might redo that one actually, because um, that was that was quite good. That was going down all sorts of uh, dark alleys. Um, so last night, many of you joined us for it. Thank you so much. We moved our history after dark room, which is our normal Wednesday night room. Uh, from Clubhouse onto Instagram and we did it as an Instagram live um, so because we were sort of testing the waters testing the tech seeing if there yeah uh, really there's always someone trying to usurp someone else um, yeah, <laughs> I'm diverting Sarah from building her landing pages <laughs> I'm good for that good for a bit of diversion me diversion oh so um yeah, so, so so we were testing the tech. We were seeing if we could actually get three people on a screen because we've never done that before. Um, we'll be going for four soon. <laughs> and, uh, and and so we, we just kept the, the conversation light. Our History After Dark Room is... Um, it, we, we sometimes go into topics that are a little bit more close to the edge. We've talked about the history of sex work. We've talked about torture. We've talked about rude place names that was a fun one um uh yeah so anyway 
that's that's going to be on Instagram for the time being while we see if that's uh, the best place for it. So thank you for everyone who joined us last night and we will be keeping with that. October, we are looking at um, uh, women in history, but from the point of view of that quote that well-behaved women seldom make history, we're going to be looking at some badly behaved women. Um, and towards the end, because we're going to be getting into Halloween season, um, I think we might be getting down the, the witches and ghost route as well. So anyway, it's going to be fun. Um, so that was good. Um, back on onto Clubhouse on Friday, we are going to be talking about Mary the First. Um, <laughs> Michael, <laughs> indeed. Well, they make history. The bad women. The bad, not bad women. Um, yes. Yeah, so Friday, we talk. We've we've we've, we've titled the room this uh, something about Mary. So Mary the First was crowned at uh, Westminster Abbey in uh, 1553 on the first of October. It was a Sunday that year. And of course, she was a single woman at that point. She was the first queen of England regnant to, to be crowned, so regnant as opposed to regent. Um, Jenna, one on Hampton Court ghosts would be fun for Halloween. Yes, perhaps we can get James Peacock back um, as well from Hampton Court to talk about some of the ghosts. That would be fun. Um, yes, Sarah, I'm going to try and. <laughs> I'm going to try. This is revision from my head as well, so don't take anything I say for granted. <laughs> but yeah, so so Mary Mary was crowned Westminster Abbey, first of October, fifteen fifty three. So she was still single. She was the she wasn't our first queen regnant, but to be fair to Jane, she didn't have very long to do a fat lot. So although, you know, we can certainly um, uh, argue that we should call her Queen Jane not just uh, Lady Jane Grey, um, Mary was the first one to be uh, crowned. So uh, Mary burned and prayed and justified herself. Indeedy, indeedy. Although as Kat says, um, Mary created martyrs and Elizabeth created traitors. So um, there's, a, there's, there's some, yeah, some clever stuff going on in Elizabeth's reign, which uh, meant that she didn't get the same uh, vitriol for what she did however so yeah so Mary was crowned first queen regent as opposed to regnant even sorry as opposed to regent regent being the uh, the queen uh, the, the wife of the king so she's single so then pressure is put on her you need to marry she wants to marry anyway you know at the age of 17 her world got turned upside down she should have been on the marriage market um uh that sounds really that sounds really bad, but, but you know, the European marriage scene, whatever you want to call it. And suddenly she was worthless in that arena. And um, I will look up Sarah, how old Mary was when she came to the throne. And she must have already been in her thirties. Um, and so thoughts turned to her having a, a husband. Now, the problem in Tudor time or Tudor England, um, Europe, whatever, at, the, at this time, is a wife is subordinate to her husband. So what do you do if your queen, if your, your head of the country is a woman and then she gets married? She's supposed to be subordinate to her king, to her, her husband, sorry. So, and then if that man happens to be the king of another country, which we know he, he ended up being, do, does that mean England comes under that country? What happens if the queen dies? 
do, does he then become king of both countries? How does it all work? So all of this had to be sorted out before she went on to marry uh, Philip II of Spain. Um, so we're going to be talking about that and everything that went with it on Friday in Clubhouse. So that's five o'clock if you would like to join us. We would love to see you there. Um, so I've spoken about the letter. Um, Sarah's joined since I was talking about that. But we, so Sarah and myself and Deb are going to see um, this exhibition, like I say, about Elizabeth and Mary Queen of Scots at the British Library. And it has this letter in it, discovered by John Guy, which, um, which gives uh, a different view of um, Elizabeth's, well, it gives proof actually that Elizabeth was trying to find a way out of executing Mary by actually trying to negotiate with Mary. And it was through one of Sarah's favorites, Ralph Sadler, who was um, Mary's jailer at the time <laughs> Colleen says she has a soft spot for Mary. Rene can't believe it. Well, Mary, you know, Mary's you've got Mary's life was turned absolutely upside down. Every aspect of her life was just a, everything she knew was obliterated. Her parents' marriage, her religion, her um, her relationship with her mother, um, how she saw her future. Um, <laughs> Ralph the dude. Uh, yeah, how Mary, how Mary's, you know, everything in Mary's life. She's seventeen, remember at this point. So everything has been stable, and she thinks she knows her life path, and suddenly, everything is goes. And I don't think it's a surprise, therefore, that she becomes fanatical or, yeah, steadfast. That's if we're kind. Her father failed her. Her father failed it, most certainly. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Mary couldn't have been any worse than James I. Yeah, we, we, you know, James persecuted, um, he had a real thing about witches, didn't he? <laughs> um, um, oh, Rene, yes, no, I'm not justifying um, what she did in any way, shape or form. Um, I'm just sort of pointing out that, uh, yeah, that she's, she was, uh, uh, oh, I can't, I can't say the F word at this time of day, but a bit of a up after that time. Um, what well, in terms of what she thought was justified, I suppose. Uh, so yeah, so Mary couldn't have been any worse than, than James. Yes, yeah, so James, yeah, James was, um, James was a bit of a thing, a thing about witches, didn't he? And lots of people died, um, in the witch hunts. Um, yeah, so there we go. We've talked a lot about Tudors again. I've got two videos out on uh, YouTube. I actually got my bum into gear last week and I got two out. They're just very short and I think you'll find them interesting. One is the Battle of Stamford Bridge, which immediately preceded the Battle of Hastings, which we've got the anniversary coming up in October. And this is one where um, uh, Howard Godwinson, he's waiting on the South Coast because he knows that William is coming. William can't come over because the wind's not blown in the right direction. And meanwhile, uh, Harold's um, brother, Tostig, and he's joined forces with Harold Hardrada. Hardrada? Hardrada? Not Hardrada. Anyway, <laughs> wrong room. Um, and, and they have invaded you in York, uh, up near York. 
So uh, Howard Gobinson storms his army up to Stamford Bridge in something ridiculous like four days, can't remember. Watch the video, you'll find out. And wins because that army's thinking there's no way that that this that, uh, the English army is going to be coming anytime soon. They win. And then William turn, is turning up as well on the south coast. So Harold has to get all his troops all the way back down again. Um, and then, and then, like I say, we get the uh, the Battle of Hastings, and then we know what happens after that. So I've got a video about that. It's only very short. It's um, easily digestible. And the other one I've got out is about the sale of Stonehenge. So we've already talked about um, the map of Mundi almost being sold, and Shakespeare's birthplace, like literally the house. By the way, I mean the house uh, almost got sold. Um, uh, but yeah, so I've, I've, so I've lost my train of thought then. Stonehenge also uh, was up for sale because it was privately owned. It was part of an estate um, right up to the First World War. And the owner of the estate died in one of the first battles in the First World War. And his estate went up for sale. And um, I can't think of his first name. Let's call him Mr Chubb. It, it, his surname was Chubb, um, I haven't made that bit up, uh, went to the auction to see, you know, this, this, this whole estate getting getting sold off. And his wife says, yeah, sure, go along. Um, I'd love a new pair of curtains, see what you can get. <laughs> and he comes, he comes back with Stonehenge. Well, not literally, obviously, with the deeds or whatever for Stonehenge. Um, Michael's enjoyed both the videos, thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so he then has he have then has ownership of Stonehenge, and he donates it to the um, to 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 the country to um, yeah. So that's how come Stonehenge isn't it on private land because it's donated. So that's quite good. Anyway, so that video is out, and I will have some more coming out soon. Um, but I haven't done them yet, so I can't tell you what they're going to be on. <laughs> But anyway, thank you so much for joining me today. That has been really fun. Um, by next week, I will be able to tell you about my trip to Simon Sester. I am going to listen. Uh, I'm going down because Tracy Borman is talking. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to be listening to her talk. And she's the location. Sarah will know this and I've totally forgotten. But the location she's doing the, the talk in is a church in Simon Sester that has the Anne Boleyn Cup. Um, so, uh, which I haven't seen yet, which is really bad because it's really not that far away from me. So I will go and check that out as well. So I'll be able to tell you about that last week, uh, next week. <laughs> oh goodness me, what time to go, people? I'm I'm losing my uh, losing my ability to speak properly. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure as always. I've really loved spending this time with you. I hope you enjoy it too, and I will see you all next week. Bye, everyone.